I'm a planner for the big things, not for the small things. You know, if I told you in front of my wife that I'm a planner, she would laugh, right? But for the big stuff, I am. And I think the career is one of those things. I mean, it's with you for the rest of your life, right? And so either either you try to be as much in control of it as possible, or it can eat you alive. And I, I don't like to leave those, you know, big things, or big those big waves take me to random places. I, I want to be in a surfing board trying to, you know, try to straighten up as much as I can. Episode 43 with Francisco Manzano. He's the Senior Vice President of Business Development for Kimitech. He has three degrees, economics, marketing, and an MBA. And today he's going to lay out for us the importance of developing a PDP. What is that? That's a personal development program. I had no idea he was going to mention this on the podcast. We had something else planned and that popped out. I absolutely had to delve into that because... It's so meaningful. You can see what it's done for his career. He's now the senior vice president. He also uncovered just how important it is to find a mentor, how to work with one, how to manage that relationship, that and so much more. Stay tuned. Well, first of all, you, you identified very quickly, like I think you and I are wired the same way. So you just said that this morning or earlier today. And then I'm just reading at my strengths finder, which is something that I took a couple of notes about for today's meeting uh, when we talk about developing skills. And it, my, so listen to my strengths finder, an activator, competition, achiever, strategic, oh, and uh, I don't know what a woo really is, but I'm a woo as well. Uh, oh my gosh. So you've took the Clifton, you've, you've taken Clifton oh yeah, strengths. Exactly right. Yeah. Uh, you have woo and I love woo. I don't have woo. Uh, <laughs> but I do have, uh, I do have activator. Activator is my first one. The second one is ideation, which is thinking. Uh, so you and I, I knew you and I were similar. And for people who are listening, I keep talking about this Clifton assessments or Clifton strengths. I highly recommend you take it. I, I've mentioned this before. I started working with a, a, a purpose coach and that was after a couple sessions, she had me take this. And it was very enlightening. It forced me to look inside myself and to figure out, you know, how do I show up? And I think that kind of really leads into our conversation here with, with Francisco is that when I met Francisco, I, he struck me as someone who gets it done. He's always working with the C level and as a sales professional, you know, reaching the C level and showing uh, how you provide value to the C level suite. It is so important. And that was really the genesis of why we wanted to have this conversation today. I really should turn it over to you because you're the one who we want to learn from. You know, first of all, thank you. I, I really appreciate you having me on, on your podcast. I'm, I'm very excited and happy to share my experience with you. Um, and, and I think you touched on something that is very, very important, right? You, you, you mentioned about, you know, the, the strength finder and how it could, you know, be a tool for your career. I truly believe in that because I, I know that, you know, for me anyways, when I learn about where are my areas of strength or those that I needed to work on, being able to really adapt my, you know, my style or even use those strengths to, to truly accomplish what I had in front of me, 
uh, was much easier. For example, so I'm a woo. I, I, I thrive in winning people over. So the way that I use that is actually by making sure that I establish a good relationship, a good report, understand the customer, listen well to him, you know, truly making sure that what I'm doing is adding value to the person in front of me before I come in and make any sort of recommendation, sales pitch, or whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, right? So, so anyways, in, in by, by understanding myself better, I'm able to plan, you know, those, uh, those interactions with the customer better. So, so anyways, I, I, I guess that's, that's the point I, I wanted to, to drive about this, uh, strengths finder. It, it, it's in fact a part of my, of my resume. So if you look at my resume on the left hand side, I have a, you know, a column with, um, you know, my education, my training, but there's a, a specific section there that says strengths finder because I want people to see very quickly when they glimpse at it, what is it that I made of? That's really this topic. You know, how do you get things done? I think we're both obsessed with sales, marketing, branding, you know, getting to the people we want to connect with. So um, you said something, it, it really hit me, this born versus made traits. What are you talking about here? How can we kind of start this, start this session off with, with that big idea? Yeah. And that's a huge, huge topic. Um, okay. So I, I think, I think we all know that there are, you know, certain traits, personality traits, so so that define who we are. You know, there are some of us who are introverts, some that are extroverts. Um, in 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 everything that our makeup, our DNA makeup, determines a lot the way that we approach, you know, day to day activities and, and challenges and goals, and so our our day to day life. And so, you know. There are things that you're born with that you, there are tools that are given to you when you're born that you put to use on your day to day activities, including work. So that's, that's a trait that you're born with. And then again, once again, understanding what those are is important to be able to de deploy them and, and utilize them later. That, that's the trait that you're born with. The learn part of these skills is something that you identify as important so a tool you should have but you yet don't have because you were not born with it and then you spend time in developing and then once you acquire it in honing that that skill so that's the difference between between the two the two of them and but again the key here is to understand well what is it that you are made of what your dna tells you you are and then the other one is what is it that i need to accomplish a certain goal and objective, what's the skill that I'm missing and how can I acquire it and then, you know, uh, perfect it. So give people some perspective of what your kind of daily sales life is like. You're, you're dealing and interacting with the upper suite, correct? Yes. For your, for your business? Yes, that, that is correct. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you probably didn't start off this way, right? In, in early in your career. So kind of take us on this journey of how, how we get here. That's, and that is a great question. And I am a big believer on, and by the way, I just, you know, a little disclaimer here that everything that I'm talking about are things that I really have learned in my journey, just like in, in your own words, right? Through, you know, education, you know, gaining experience, training, but I am not an author and, and this is not really a proven method, right? What I'm, you know, talking about here, uh, I, I'm not promising fame or glory to any of your listeners, but what I can, <laughs> There's no silver bullet, right. unfortunately, no, no, Francisco. No, that's correct. But but I'm going to share with you what's what's worked, you know, for me. And I was very, you know, lucky enough 
to start my career in a company that believed in uh, personal development plans. And so what that means is, you know, you, you, you have a system that identifies your point A in your career. In my case, it was an entry-level position. And then it allowed me to identify what I wanted to be in three, five, and 10 years. And so I could, I'd stated that. And then it was up to me to determine to get to point A, from point A to point B, what were the things that I needed to do or put in place to get there, right? And it's very interesting because, you know, thinking about where, where those, you know, to do big to-do list of, how, okay, what does Francisco need to do to get from point A to point B? They all fell under five categories, which are the ones that you and I discussed uh, before uh, uh, when we first talked, uh, Tony. So continuous education, staying relevant, finding mentors and coaches, networking, and developing skills. So truly, when you looked at a, at a PDP or personal development plan, those are the areas. So, so you asked me, okay, how do you get from point A to point B? Planning, having a plan is important. And if you, the listener, does not work in an environment that has this personal development plan as a practice, you can create your own. You, you don't have to leave these, you know, these important decisions of your life in the hands of somebody else if it doesn't exist. You can actually create your own at home. And then you know plan and execute it for 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 your own growth and, and and success. So I started as a sales rep. So I I sold in the chemical industry. I quickly identified that you know being a sales rep was a good learning opportunity for me, but it was not where my heart was set on. I wanted to touch the life of others. I wanted to to be the one who led a team and the one who would be able to you know leverage their strengths for the betterment or for, 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 for the uh, improvement or, you know, glory of the company for lack of a better word. Right. And so I worked really hard to become a manager. And so I identified what were the areas that I lacked on and took action to fill those gaps or those voids saying, and what that looked like was, you know, leadership skill, uh, managerial skill. Uh, do I understand, you know, finances well enough to be able to, carry the conversation with me or upper management. So, so those were the things that I identified were opportunities or gaps for me. And I just put myself through, through, through some training and school just to, to accomplish those or to, to learn those. So who gave you the, the blanks that you had to fill in? How did you know what the path was to go from A to B? That's a great question. So self-evaluation, I, I think that's important. That we all self-evaluate, that we're honest with ourselves, right? Am I capable or am I not? Now, I'm not saying you have to be 100% ready to take the next step in your career because then there's this paralysis by analysis situation where you really never feel like you can move, right? But so self-evaluation is important, but also this coaching and mentoring element is very important as well. So in my case... Uh, my first mentor coach, which I still keep in touch with, he's retired, but I really admire him. His name is Larry Dunlop. Uh, he came from the big uh, multinational world, and, and it was his world. Uh, Larry Dunlop was the one who I gave him a blank check, and I said, hey, Larry, listen, you know, these are my aspirations. This is, this is what I want to do when I, you know, as I, as I progress in my career. Would you point out the things that I should be working on you know, to get from, from point A to point B. And he was, you know, gracious enough to, to take me under his wing and, and, 
and, and help me along the journey. So I gave him literally a blank check. I said, Larry, you're not going to offend me. I want you to coach me. I want brutal honesty. I want transparency. Anything that you see, whether I'm presented at meetings, whether I'm interacting with customers, internal or external customers, anything that it is that you see an area of opportunity or do you see a strength that I should leverage, please let me know. And so did help, he did help me a lot along the way. I, this is a huge, a huge learning point for people is to get a mentor. But how do you do that? Well, that's a very good question. Um, there are a couple, a couple of thoughts here. So the mentor could be internal, so in your own company or external, outside of your company. And a lot of people typically think about, okay, who in my company could, who could help me? Or they, they automatically think about their manager or their boss. Right, which is an option, but it's not the only option, right? You just have to have be, I guess, I don't know if brave is the, the word, but bold enough to. Yeah, you have to have some confidence. Yeah, have confidence. Understand, understand. Again, it comes from a point of understanding. They, hey, we are, we are not born with all the knowledge and the skill in the world. All the people has in you know, the habit. That's what teamwork is all about, right? You take the first step, you identify that, and then you go and talk to the people that you believe could. Uh, provide you with the wisdom or the knowledge or the experience that you don't have. So I think here's the thing. I think for coaching or mentoring to be effective, you really not need to have a goal in mind first. It's If you go to a mentor and say, I need mentoring, they're going to be like, great, I'd love to, but what do you need help with? That's right. That's exactly right. There's an individual, his name is Don Sunquist and, He's the head of R&D at a, at, a, at a large company. And, and Don and I had a working relationship. And I, I, I was so amazed by the way that he was able to uh, identify very quickly new technology that was usable for the company. And uh, new technology is not, does it work? Does it not work? It, it's, it's way more than that. It, it, does it fit with everything else that is in the company? How does it sit in our you know, product lifecycle management? Is this feasible? You know, from a regulatory perspective, does it fit? Does it not? When we go out there and, 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 and we try to acquire the technology, is there freedom to operate? Or is this something that is already in use by a, by a competitor? I mean, there, there's a lot to consider. So I was amazed at what Don had done for the company he was doing. And so I sat down with him and I said, listen, Don, I don't pretend to be, I don't, you know, I never pretend to be Don. Your job is your job. But in my, in my area, in the, in the business world, I also need to be able to identify very quickly what our technology fits and how the computer technology fits. And I think your skills would translate really well to what I'm doing. Would you be willing to be my coach and, and help me, you know, um, th through some of these ideas? And he said, yes, again, I mean, it's pretty rare that, that somebody, you know, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't really want to help you. But any, in any case, he said, yes. And so I started a one-year journey with him as well, where I would sit in, in meetings that I had no business on. But he was gracious enough to to bring me along just to learn more about that part of the business. How did you attempt to organize the meetings or the frequency of your communication with the mentor? That's, a, that's again, that's a great, great question. So with the way that I did it, um, we had a weekly touch base. And because you can do it two ways. You can do it less often during longer periods of time, because there's going to be more to talk about, more examples that presented, you know, themselves, and you have to kind of dissect them. Or you can do it more frequently, 
short period of time. And so the way that I did it with Don and Larry was at half an hour weekly. Now, half an hour typically turn into more like an hour, but because we enjoyed so much what we're talking about. But um, what I tried to do was to have a weekly, um, a, a weekly commitment with them. Obviously, you know, business travel okay, comes up, then you skip that session, and then you wait for next week. But the good thing is to have something on the books, which is an excellent point, uh, point uh, Tony, and try to stick with it. And also, it's very important that there's a time definition. I mean, you can't ask somebody to be your coach forever. That's, you know, that come, you come to come, you know, old. With Don, I told him exactly, hey, you know, I need, I need to learn about this. I'd love to be, you know, part of, of a lot of the projects you're working on for the next year. Would you be, so it, it's, it's good to give them a time frame or perspective so that they know what they're signing up for, right? So, so they know when they get that. out of jail. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. That is right. Oh. So did they give you assignments? Did you have something that you had to, to accomplish in between those sessions? So again, these are great questions. And I think I know where you're going. Um, so with Don Sanquist, so the R&D individual, it really, there really wasn't. Now, I'm not saying that's the right way to do it, but there, there wasn't. I was the observant. I was the one learning. And then I would try to apply what I learned to my own side of the business. And, and whenever so it was like on-the-job training, yep. sort of, with him. Like a shadowing, on-the-job training. I would ask, hey, would you do it this way or this other way? And then he would – he would. I, I use him as a um, – I think in the U.S. you guys refer to it as a – springboard right as a, yeah. as a mm-hmm. sounding yeah, board that kind sounding of board mm-hmm. yeah yep yeah. um with larry was different and and with larry actually he was directly involved in my line of business and and he he would give direct feedback and i would i would i would expressly say hey larry we have this big meeting with sc johnson which one of my accounts which is one of the largest um uh, household items company in the world, right? And so, so it's, hey, I have this important meeting. This is what I'm trying to accomplish. I'd love for you to pay attention to these deliveries. Please let me know if you think I'm hitting them, right? And I, it's funny because the person who really made me nervous in those big meetings, uh, it wasn't the, the, the customer. It wasn't the, you know, the, the, the big guy sitting in front of me. It was, it was Larry because Larry was taking notes every time that I, so he was actually noting down what were the things. <laughs> you were more worried about disappointing your mentor. That's right. That's exactly right. I was like, Oh, what is he doing me? <laughs> you had enormous respect for him though. That's exactly right. Yes. That's, that's exactly right. So anyways, and then we will, we would drive together after those meetings and then he would just give me a rundown and he was great at it. He would first started with the positive and this is what you did so good. You know, congratulations, and let's just talk a little bit about the things that we should be working on. And so, anyways, it was uh, that was the way that uh, that, that we interacted. Um, so I ask always for direct feedback from him. But take us back, okay? So you're you're moving to management. Mm-hmm. You've got your mentor. So what happens next? When I was a, a sales rep, um, you know, I, I identified that you know some of the difficult. This is again, this is my my experience, meaning. A, a, a listener might, might find a different challenge, right? The challenge that I came up against was, you know, I, I had been in sales before, before, I, you know, I, I truly started my, my career in the U.S. I had been with Bannon in, in Spain, the yogurt company or the, the uh, dairy company. Um, but I had quickly identified that I was just one more sales rep. 
I was just one sales rep running around trying to sell this, you know, um, this insect control product around the around Latin America. It wasn't around the world, just just yet. I, that that came up late, and so what I identified was that I I had a great product. I just didn't have a good story to tell or a good way to position the product. And you know, all of these um, marketing efforts for the company that I work with were really focused in in North America. And, and so, you know, the little, the little resources that, that, that we had for outside of, of North America were not enough. So I identified very quickly that I really needed to become better at being able to market our products. So I, I came out of school with a degree in economics, um, had nothing to do with marketing. So pure, pure economics, a six-year program from the University of Seville in Spain. And then um, I see myself that I don't have enough knowledge to be able to plan for, you know, a product launch, you know, a product positioning uh, exercises, um, you know, um, strategic planning, annual planning, stuff like that. So I went and talked to my manager and I told him, listen, uh, sales are great, but th there's something missing. I I'm not the best at what I can, you know, th that I can be. And, and as you may understand, you know, an individual as much as a competitive advantage as a product, you know, um, uh, characteristic or trait, right? So I said, I want to be the best that it's out there. So I would like to put myself through uh, marketing school, right? So do I another bachelor's in, in marketing? Uh, and the guy said, no, that's one of those guys who really kind of like uh, scratched my head. But in any case, um, no, meaning the company's not going to pay for it. So, you know, I, I said, you know what? <laughs> You might not pay for it, but I'm going to school. So I put myself through school. So I went to, uh, in Minnesota here, I did a, a three-year program of marketing, trying to avoid that gap. And so at night, after school, between 5 p.m. and midnight, every night, I would just, you know, go through my schooling. And sure enough, I completed it. And I am not, I couldn't be more happy of the decision that I made because that gave me such a toolbox for everything that really needed to happen with all of these chemicals, um, you know, outside of the USA in or these products outside of the USA. So, so I learned from that and that happened not once, but two more times in my career. So I identified the need. And, and so what I'm trying to say is that throughout my, uh, uh personal development plan, continuous education was high, very, very, very important. And that I always identified what is it that I needed to learn about in order to take the next step of my career, right? Um, and so anyways, I, I put myself, I think I spent about 18 years in college. I'm not recommending that. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you made the investment in yourself. That's and right. I think that's the, I think that's what's coming through here. Right. Crystal clear is you didn't wait on anyone to, to fund it. Right. You may not have to go back for a full marketing degree, right? You could go for a, a six month uh, certificate. Absolutely right. And there are tools out there that are really impressive. I wish they were available, you know, 10 years, 15 years ago. Um, LinkedIn alone, I think that's a great tool. There are great, you know, LinkedIn certificates or, or courses that actually boil down to the practical components or elements of those things that are meant to be taught in school, right? And so I, by all means, um, I, I think that our tools available to all of us out there that are very, very, very useful. And at the end of the day, you think about it, what is this about? Is it really about a piece of paper that I can put on my resume or is it really about learning and, 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 and advancing in my career? I take the second. I, 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 yeah, sure, it's nice to have it on your resume, 
that you truly are learning because you could have it in your resume and have learned nothing about it, right? To me, it's really is about what can I, you know, study that is going to help me be better at what I do. So to me, it's the practical application that's important. Well, you probably had another degree that was never bestowed because you were trained through those mentors. So to your point, that's exactly right. it's, it's about uh, learning. So you kind of ran through these five concepts, um, continuous education, staying relevant, finding coaches, mentors, networking, developing skills. These are, it looks like you kind of move in and out of them. It's not like you maybe are using all of them at the same time, but it's it's kind of a a, a ladder maybe that you're climbing and you're, you know, grabbing continuous education when you need it, networking when you need it. That's exactly right. And that's exactly what I, you know, what I meant with this personal development plan that a, a PDP or personal development plan is just a document. It's a snapshot shot in time, right? Here's what I am today. Here's what I want to get to. And you're going to require or, or what, what, to get to point B is very fluid. You're going to require different investments of your time and energy in different aspects of, of your development at different points of time, right? And, and to me, the perfect example is networking. Um, so, so how many times have we really heard that being in the right place at the right time is, you know, it, it's important, right? And that's one of those where you don't network every day, right? You do it when you are seeking or searching for something in particular, right? And, and I think that's essentially what networking does, does to you is, you know, wh- whether it is to get recommendations for professional services, like, hey, I need a, Legal services, I need marketing ag- an agency, I need a packaging designer. You reach out to the people that you know. Francisco, you should have said, I need the world's best recruiter. You missed it. There you go. I missed it. That I'm was sorry. your chance. Oh. <laughs> That's right. That's absolutely right. But now we know. So whether you, if, <laughs> if, if you need the world's best recruiter, you have to go no further. It's right here on the air. So you're, you're right. So, so you're using networking to fill a gap. It's what it sounds like. That's exactly right. That, that is exactly right. And, and, you know, it's a fluid dynamic. And so you don't stop building your network, uh, but you don't use it all the time. Right. And it can evolve depending on where you are in your career and, and what kind of industry you're, you're in. Um, you know, and, and a lot of people associate networking with just finding a job. That's what, you know. Yes. What a huge mistake. So, okay, let's, let's talk about networking then. So is this something that you put on your calendar? Do you try to put yourself into networking situations, not just for, uh, you know, a recommendation to a product or somebody you might need, but also just for networking sake? Absolutely. Yes. So I do this very, so I would have about, I mean, and I'm estimating here, but I would have at least an hour a week where I'm just networking, and I and I and I know why I, why I am networking. For example, I know that in about six months, we're probably going to hire a new individual for the field, right? I know it's not a tomorrow thing, but I know that I need to start, you know, you know, creating those networks at the field level in California for this particular position. So. I'm already starting to call people and say, hey, 
you know, let me tell you a little bit what our plan is in the U.S. So, so I'm ne- I'm networking. I'm not offering a job. I'm not. I'm, I'm just networking. Um, I do exactly the exact same thing for with marketing or PR agencies. Um, hey, let it, let me tell you a little bit what we're doing. What we're trying to accomplish here. How are things going for you? So it, it's all about really being staying relevant in your circle, and then with something that you are working on is you know is is brought up. They think immediately about you, right? Um, and, and so, so I do that right now. For example, um, there is this big event. It's uh, it's, it's called the Bio Ag World. It's uh, for for my industry, the agricultural industry. There is this very important meeting that happens now in March 15th through the 18th, and it is just solely through networking that people have got to know me, and I'm invi- invited as one of the panelists for a particular subject. Now, if I had not been Networking, if I didn't know the owners and CEOs of all these companies, if I didn't know the, or, the people organizing the event, if, 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 if I hadn't taken the time to network and, and, and in the industry, they wouldn't have thought of me, right? So, so anyways, I, I, that's what I'm saying about networking. It truly, you got to maintain those relationships alive. So, so about an hour a week is, is what I'll spend. I got to say, I'm surprised you network that much. I mean, that's... That's great. Mm-hmm. I've I've heard from uh, professionals that this is one of the biggest weaknesses that they have. They just they just don't do it. And I do think maybe they think about networking as just looking for another job. And I think if you can for not think of it that way, mm-hmm. it it could help. Yeah, it, it, I think you're absolutely right. Now, I'm not going to claim that I network that long. You know, always. No, I think it's also situational. So I'm working for a company of this. This is year two on this company as, um, you know, in, in a sales and marketing role. And it's a company that is relatively young and new. So there's a lot going on for us where networking is important. Um, and where you were just entered the U.S. market about two years ago. And so networking for me now, it's a need. It, it's, it's necessary. Whether it's you. So I'm working with universities. I'm networking with crop advisors. I'm networking with, you know, um, organizers of events. I'm networking with uh, with a lot of people because there's a lot to be considered as you build a business from scratch, right? So, so yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that if if I'm well established in five to ten years, that networking might might just um, tame a little bit or right or calm down a little bit. But it could be different. I think what you've just done, though, is you've laid a foundation of five areas that you need to use in your PDP, and you just have to think through, okay, I know networking is important. How should I be using network where I'm at now in relation to the goal that I want to be? And I'm just going to tag on and say, okay, staying relevant. That's right. Well, you know, my industry, there's so many people. There's so many recruiters. So how do you stay relevant? Well, yes, maybe you network, but maybe you start a podcast, right? right. You do something different. You know, I, th- I think you're, you know, having a podcast as a way to stay in relevant is, is beautiful because it's almost a 360 degree way of doing it. You know, you know you're, you're, you're tying both clients with you know candidates, right? So so I, th- I think it's 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 a beautiful model. Um, in my business, staying relevant looks a little bit more different and more traditional. Staying relevant really means 
to be present, but to be in, in order to be able to be top of the mind on, on people's, you know, on people's heads, you gotta do the the trade show of the year, of the day. You gotta knock on doors. You, so, so it means FaceTime. It really does. Um, I'm assuming that it's it's somewhat similar for you, right? But in in the trade shows, and now you know they've invited me to this event, so my name will be out there. Uh, and staying relevant also to me means stay informed because you know if if they invite you to do something if they think of you for something for a particular problem and then you really you know you're the same today that you were 10 years ago people are going to figure that out very quickly and, and you know you got to stay on top of industry trends you got to stop on you know on top of uh, you know, technology developments on top of, you know, methods, techniques. So you really have to stay on top of your, of your, of your game, I think, you know, for, for people to, to really consider you a good resource and to stay relevant out there. Oh, that's continuous education. You know, it's a, kind of a side note, but I'm involved in uh, a nonprofit that I work with um, my, in my free time. It takes up a lot of my free time. But the point is I, I work with a lot of volunteers. I do a lot of training, getting people kind of ramped up. And I noticed that there's a lot of people who are a little bit older that have no technology skills, very, very poor. And, you know, had you adopted this concept, this idea of continuous education, you know, you wouldn't let yourself fall so far behind. Because when, when we started this conversation, we were talking about born versus made skills. And let's face it, who's really born to no technology? I don't know, maybe, but I don't think so. I think it's learned, right? No, it's complete learning. Now, what you might be born with is the ability to learn quickly, right? A curiosity is also one of those you're born with, right? Um, but you're absolutely right. I think technology is one of those where, uh, unfortunately, it, 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 it can separate, you know, you know, for example, a candidate, you know, from getting a job or not getting it. If you look at job descriptions now, it's so, to me, it's a little bit of, I don't know. I don't know if a joke is is the right word. I don't want to be offensive, but it's not right that a lot of times when you look at a job description, it talks about a lot about knowledge, right? It doesn't talk much about skill. It talks about knowledge. You got to know this. You you got to be an expert in this industry. You got to know, you know, uh, Windows three sixty five or Dyna Windows Dynamics three sixty five. You got to know, you know, Salesforce. And yes, I understand you have to have a, at least the base or some of the knowledge. But the truth of the matter is that there's a lot of people out there who are, you know, not being, you know, brought on board companies that are, you know, it, it's a waste. They, they are not because they have a tremendous amount of skill. They could learn really quickly technology or whatever it is and, and use those skills, skills um, you know, for, for, for the company very quickly versus, hey, you, you're not, you don't know anything about, you know, the medical device industry, therefore you are not a good candidate. I, I'm, I'm a little bit at... Um, you know, uh, I, I think that situation is a little odd to me, to be honest with you. Okay. You, you're really hitting something really close and near and dear to my heart. We talked a little bit about this before we started the podcast. This is a huge problem happening today. We're shifting gears a little bit into uh, hiring techniques or strategies, and you've got a fantastic idea. Uh, I don't want to steal your thunder, the, the phrase, you know, that you use with me, but People, uh, companies do make a mistake by saying you, they have to, you have used this software or they have to have this industry experience. 
What, what's your philosophy? How do you get around this? It's all about behavior. So when I interview, when I, I mean, okay, I understand that in order to do open heart surgery, you have to be a surgeon. So I, I don't want to, I don't want my words to be misconstrued, right? So there are, there are areas where you have to have the knowledge. That's undeniable, right? But in a lot of cases in, in this, you know, labor market, um, that is not the case. That really is not the case. The way I go around it or about it in the way that, that, the, the way that I've asked my companies to do this, um, not mine, but the ones that I've worked for, is to truly pay attention to behavior. And so we, in fact, we, uh, for for the, the first company I worked with in the U.S. for, for 11 years, um, we actually did everything based on behavioral assessments. For example, we would define, okay, so we need a sales representative that is going to be driving a brand new line of products. Okay, so what do we need? We need somebody who's a self-starter, somebody who's ambitious, somebody who actually is, um, um, uh, what do you call it? It's moved by money, meaning that they want to earn money, right? Motivated uh, or motivated. some way. Yep, yep. So so we laid down, we are the key attributes or behaviors that we want to see in this individual. And then when we read a resume and when we call an individual, we actually were trying to pick on those behaviors, but not so much about the knowledge. And during the interview, when you looked at the, pan, the interview um, structure forum, it had nothing to do with We never asked one single knowledge question, never. It was, it was never constructed about knowledge. It was always about, tell me a time you faced this situation. How do you handle it? And then you listen. You just you just. Stop talking and listen. And listen very clearly. It's just, it, and it's not just what they say. It's how they say it, how they build the story. And so that gives you the cues as to how an individual might handle a specific situation. And, and that's exactly what we're looking for. Because, listen, we can all learn things. I mean, again, I'm not going to learn how to do surgery. But I'm going to, I, if I come from you know, the, the insect control industry, I guarantee you that I can sell a medical device component because I've learned, you know, molecular biology. I mean, I'm not a molecular biologist, but I did. Uh, I've learned, you know, chemistry. I'm not a chem chemist, but I did learn. So, so product knowledge these days, I think, is a little bit overrated, to be completely honest. Yeah, it takes longer time. I understand there's an expense where you have to invest in your employee to a some, ramping up period right, and onboarding. Up. But that is how you solve this labor shortage. I mean, that is how you solve the problem is you move away from knowledge base. But again, I think the trick is to figure out maybe within the organization, which positions can we hire based on behaviors and, and skills, right? Versus knowledge. So I would say, let's say uh, accounting. No, you need, you need, you're right there. You need the knowledge. You got to have the knowledge, That's right? right? That's right. So there you go. Mm -hmm. Knowledge is necessary because if they don't understand gap, if they don't understand right. debits and credits right. and month and close, That's right. I, you know, you can't take someone from marketing and say, oh, they're, they have great, got great initiative. Let's make them an accountant. That's right. So, that's right. Uh, maybe that's a, a podcast for another time, <laughs> you know, where we kind of break down, yep. you know, here or with somebody. All right. Here are the roles that can be done, mm -hmm. right? That's Based right. on behaviors. That is right. Definitely sales. Mm -hmm. Definitely sales. Would you agree? I, I think we both well, agree. 100%. On that. Business development, sales, marketing. Even in, in when I mean business development on the sales side, but also on the you know new technology acquisition side, right? On scouting, on you know having that hunger, that that that, that instinct, 
Um, so yeah, there there are multiple multiple positions that, that can be definitely learned. Was it hard for you to convince your companies? I mean, was that a uh, like trust me, I'm gonna you, you know you guys do it your way. Let me try it my way, and let's see who has made better hires. Has that a yeah? What, what's the process to, <laughs> to convince? You know, it, 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 no, no, it has not been easy. No, to be completely honest with you. Um, you know, the, the first company actually, I, I, I don't want to claim that, you know, this is my method. It's, it's also their method. So we realized, you know, very quickly what you just said that maybe finding the right person with the right skill and the right knowledge was not, you know, all that possible. And then we couldn't be sitting six months, you know, on hiring somebody, well, you know, there was a huge opportunity cost, right? So, so the companies switched towards that behavioral based type type um, um, hiring. But on 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 later jobs, you know, the the key there was to truly try to essentially fail first. So that's I'm not going to be very honest and blunt. Fail first. So let's go for knowledge, and then we've hired an individual or two based on knowledge. And then those traits that we were hoping that came with the knowledge and didn't come kind of what were like my, aha, uh-huh, you see, I mean, this is what happens when we go only, you know, after knowledge that, that truly what defines this role is that hunger. It's being a hunter, being, being a closer. That's what you really want in the, the individual. Yeah. This person came with 30 years of experience in this particular, you know, plant performance technology. However, you know, this individual is also not really thinking about you know, when he is going to open the next account, right? And that's what we needed, right? So, so it, it's, one, it's, it's been more of an empirical exercise rather than a, you know, um, me convincing individuals. I wouldn't take credit to that. So empirical more than anything. And then, then well, we, we talked about this at the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, then, I mean, meaning, and then after the, you failed and then you go and say, hey, you trust me on this, let's just do it this way. And then people say, aha, uh-huh. yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, that's kind of my style anyway, is the activator, go do it, and then fail, have something not work, and then just make the adjustment. But not everybody operates that way. I think I've gotten a real good, clear idea of how you've been able to now advance in your career, but I still have an open question, and I want to get to it, but I want to give a summary, kind of a wrap-up, because we've touched on this personal development plan that you're really showing us how to lay it out. Um, It's Sounds pretty straightforward, but it requires you to take that emphasis, take that responsibility yourself is what I'm saying. And that's the the purpose of this podcast is that, you know, you have to take on learning and development yourself. And, you know, Francisco, you're providing that, that, um, that point ahead of us. Okay. So we're at A, you've just shown us B and now we can see, okay, here are the steps. Now, you also deal with the sea level and i know we don't have a lot of time left but i would love to hear some of your thoughts on for you how you've been successful mm-hmm. you know getting to the c suite selling to the c suite how what's <laughs> what's the magic trick uh, well i know there's not a magic answer but <laughs> well there isn't um but uh, i'd rely in, in in a particular you know method i guess it's a blend of methods but you know, when we deal with a C-level individual, the, the most important thing to me to think about is that this individual is a person just like us and that he has the same kind of pressures and goals and objectives than you do, if no more, right? 
And, and so that's what's important, trying to understand what this individual is up against inside of the organization is very important. Everybody has their own personal objectives inside of a company, and then they have to you know, help with their department objectives, and then they have to also you know, help with the company objectives. So to me, it's all about learning really well what motivates this individual. Now, another thing that I've learned with C-level individuals is they're busy, so you have to make it count. Every time there's an interaction with them, you have to add value to the individual. They're not there to sit and visit with you, right? And and so, anyways, when you're able to learn where you know their the profile of the individual, so what are they made of, right? And what are their objectives? What are their strategies that they're deploying to meet these objectives? And where are the issues that might find, you know, in trying to accomplish these objectives? Once you understand that really well, then you have an understanding of whether or not what you have to offer aligns with their needs. That's something that it's it's very ingrained in my philosophy. I never felt in you know I never felt like called to do a one-time sell. I always wanted to be able to create something that that added long-term value for my customers. Right. So uh, the secret is understanding needs and being able to align, not forcing it, but truly aligning with with the business fit with the with the other company. Now. Because the C-level is a C-level, you have to speak their language. That could be a whole different podcast, right? But what are they worried about? Is it bottom line? Is it, you know, um, is it product performance? Is it callbacks? Is it, you know, is it quality? Is it, is it pricing? Is it, what is it that they are concerned about? And that's when you start, you know, creating or crafting your position when you're sitting down with that influencer, or not influencer, but um uh, decision maker and you're pitching your, your, your thought or your idea. And then finally, I'll say that something that works really, really well is when you approach this as, Hey, I hear you. I know you, this is what I know about you. And so, so understand I, I am on the same pitch with you. I, I hear what you're saying. Let me tell you a little bit what we do. This is what I think we fit. And, and this is what I propose, right? So, so that's what a C level, the C level can't, they love it when you come with a proposed solution to the table that is going to impact their goals, their department goals, and their company goals. So that, that's been, I guess, my, my secret. Well, and it sounds like you have to do a fair amount of research. You can't go in cold. You're not going to get okay. in cold, first of all. So are you looking for key people in the company to build relationships with and talk to to get some of these answers? Or, yes, partly that and also... Maybe just researching. You know. Yep, I always start with research. Never go on a call just with research. But my my uh, the way I approach it, I start with research, and then I move on to people because then I can relate to those people better. Uh, but I never touch on the on the um, decision maker until I've accomplished that. So research, talk to influencers, and then I move to the decision maker. And in fact, what I try to do, I try to find. Um, in this particular method that I follow is called a coach. So somebody that has my best interest at hand inside of the organization of the company. And so that if, if, if they win, I win, if I win, they win, right? So this is the coaching relationship. And then, you know, I use that relationship to learn more about this C-level, you know, or, you know, um, decision maker. And, and then once I have all the information all together, then I, I'm able to put together a compelling, you know, a compelling uh, sales pitch. But that's a great question. Yes, cold calling does not work. Um, you know, they, these people, you know, they're really, really busy. You can't really go in there and waste, waste their time.
Yeah, it sounds like what you've done is you've found an internal sponsor, someone that maybe your product is going to help downstream. You kind of uncover, ah, here's the real pain point. This is the big problem internally. Now you can kind of begin to craft your uh, your pitch, right, and get in front of the, the sea level with that concern that you have figured out and uncovered through your coach That's internally. absolutely right. And here's the one, so you just described it beautifully. And the thing is that the more you do it, the more value you add to the table, the, the, the more prepared you are, and, and the more they see that you know their business, the more they will call you when there's a problem. So it becomes almost like it, it, they solicit Right, so it's the ideal scenario when they call you versus you call them, right? Um, so oh, guess, that's your dream. That's right. That's right. So, <laughs> so yeah, these topics have just been really close and, and, and dear to me, and I think your your style, your delivery, how you've been using them, just so practically. Uh, I think we honestly we could have a follow up at some point on this, but I really hope everyone you know figures out how to start using that PDP. And hey, but before we go, do you want to give um, a plug to your business and what you guys are doing? You talked about, you know, growing and expanding into the U.S. Why don't you just, you know, tell everyone what you're doing, what you need, and maybe there's people listening that can come to you and help you with whatever you're trying to accomplish. Absolutely. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. It's completely unplanned. So, yeah, absolutely. So we could do a whole podcast about my company, but we won't, I promise. Um, so. <laughs> Maybe. Well, let's see. Let's we'll let the listeners decide. All right. So um, so the company that I work for is uh, Kimitech with a K. Kimitech, they're, they're, we're based out of Spain, south of Spain, and we are in the world of agriculture. And what we do um, is we, we manufacture products that fall under the plant performance or what they call biostimulant categories. We also, we also manufacture products that fall under the soil probiotic category and finally biopesticides. And what we're trying to do is actually to be the alternative to synthetic chemistry. So we've realized that there are other ways to produce in food just the, the, the just using the, the traditional uh, synthetic chemistry uh, uh, routes, right, which is still valid, but we, we believe that there is a better way to produce food. And so about 15 years ago, the company decided they were going to start to uh, obtain compounds from nature that were just as effective as synthetic chemistry. And so there's a lot of R&D behind everything that we do. And in the U.S., um, so I've been tasked with setting up the, the company's operations. Uh, there will be no manufacturing, but there will be sales and marketing and business development um, activities going on. So we are heavily focused now in row crop in the Midwest. Uh, we've already have two years' worth of research, so validating our technology in U.S. soil. Uh, with ex ex exceptional results. So we're now uh, looking for distribution partners for the row crop. And then we're one step behind, but yet making a lot of effort and investment in the specialty uh, crop area. So especially in the California, Oregon, and Washington areas where we're testing our products as well in the high value crops. Uh, so anyways, what we're up against now is we I have a small team of people, uh, some in California, now in the, in the, in the Midwest. And what we're doing is trying to acquire talent that can help us build build the business. So so that's where we're at. I mean pretty new in the US, but very exciting. So put a um a call out. What is it you said you're looking for talent? So are we looking for knowledge or are we looking for skills? Skills, uh -oh. skills, skills. We are looking for skills. Uh, okay, you passed your first yeah. test. I was thinking, <laughs> oh boy. Quite definitely. It's gonna fall flat. Right. 
no. So, so the, the one the one thing that we're looking for in the California area right now is what we call a field development manager and um, knowledge, not much really, um, but skill. Skill is important. So there's going to be an individual who's going to be able to knock on um, a lot of growers' doors and is going to establish relationships with universities and other, you know, what we call CPAs or crop advisors. And, 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 and it's going to be able to essentially entice them to using our technology and put it in their crop and then help us uh, retrieve data about the performance of those products. So, so that's what we call a field development manager. Um, and then step number two, we're going to get a sales rep or a director, in fact, a sales director for um row crop sales in the USA that will become a little bit later during during the year and again this is truly about skill it's about strategic account management that's what we're looking for so somebody who who thrives in that environment in, in large account management and then finally and at some point next year marketing and finally we will um, look for for a marketing uh, resource sometime later later this year or the beginning of, of next year so so we're just building a, a team one step at a time now, one thing is we are not shy in when it comes to investing. So as the, the business progresses and this, it speeds up, we also speed up our, our uh, hiring in the U.S. If any of you think this is uh, the right kind of you know, culture environment for you, I encourage you to connect with Francisco. Francisco, fantastic. I, I love this episode. Thank you so much for, for being here and sharing your, your kind of common sense. Uh, but you know, maybe not so common, common sense with us. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much uh, for the opportunity. I really enjoyed our, our conversation. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been a pleasure, Tony. Thank you so much. Thank you.